0: Hello, and welcome back to our podcast, Sociable, where we discuss the current state of social norms, systems, question their efficacy, inform listeners of current issues and solutions, enforce SDG action, as well as simply share our experience and stories as students. I'm your host, David.
1: And I'm Edgar. In today's episode, we aim to explore the topic of study culture, what it is, how it manifests, And the harms and benefits that it brings to students.
0: So to kickstart the topic, what are we seeing in the status quo around us right now?
1: So in the status quo, especially in East Asian cultures, for example in the Hong Kong academic sphere, the already ingrained values of academics and studies are becoming pushed further and further each year. In 2017, 49% of Hong Kong students reported feeling high levels of stress, rating their stress level at around a 7.5 out of 10. In the same survey, 41% of these surveyed pupils displayed signs of depression. At the same time, you are also seeing a limiting pool of talent. That is to say, you are seeing the standards for grades and academic achievement also being pushed higher and higher. Note how this creates a self-worsening cycle, a self-perpetuating cycle, in which the more students achieve at a high level, the higher the standards are pushed, therefore the more students are, uh, are forced to and feel inclined to study longer and harder.
0: Yep. I think it's also uh, to do with sort of an inherent mindset that a lot of Asian societies have with studying, because it's almost like getting a strong degree is viewed like an end to your career, but in fact it's only just the start of it. I think for lots of students, a strong social status is what drives them to study in general. Whereas in like Western countries, education is the means to an end, but it's not valuable in and of itself, it's valuable because it helps you achieve something else. You go to school so you can get a better degree, so you can get a better job, etc.
1: Exactly, so in many Western countries, education is seen as something that is instrumentally important. It's seen as an instrument that you use to achieve an end. Whereas in Asian countries, it's oftentimes seen as intrinsically important. It is valuable in and of itself. So what exactly is study culture? Now that we've talked about what it looks like, what do we define as study culture? We define study culture as essentially the social norms and behaviors that are exhibited by students during the process of academic achievement. For example, something very simple and is something I'm sure a lot of our audience can relate to: the norm of studying, uh, the norm of staying up till early morning hours to study in preference to getting a good night's sleep. Study culture both informs and is informed by students. That means, basically, that study culture both affects our behavior, but is also defined by how we ourselves behave. If most of the students within a school study a lot, then you are more likely to push yourself to study longer and harder.
0: So on the topic of youth study culture, that's basically what we'll be covering in this podcast because that's what we're most familiar with. We just finished IGCSE mocks ourselves, so this idea of staying up and studying is, I guess, fresh on the mind.
1: Note that this is also connected to both hustle culture in the workplace and the glorification of productivity that we are seeing more and more of in society today. So David, why is Asian study culture even a thing?
0: Alright, so like I said earlier, some cultures value grade over balance, and it's ingrained in the culture to study like hell. Basically what I mean by balance is a balance of academics, sports, uh, mental health, and just hobbies you enjoy doing. but. In the modern, uh, some of the Asian societies we face today, that's kind of not the case. So just to share a short anecdote, I used to live in Korea until uh, I was seven. And even then, at that young age, studying at tuition centers or so-called hagwons until late into the night was normalized. So students would complete a regular day of school and then go to often what is essentially a separate school and then take classes that help them prepare for entrance exams, finishing up at about 6 to 10 p.m. And there are 100,000 of them throughout South Korea, and these are like a $20 billion industry. So quite prominent in the economy as well. And what's interesting is that the average South Korean high school students uh, roughly spends about 16 hours a day, give or take, on school and school-related activities.
1: I would also say or posit that there are very historical reasons for why study culture is so ingrained in East Asian societies, like for example old Chinese traditions. During in ancient China, or even more recently perhaps in 1970s China, the only way to become rich and prosperous was oftentimes to take the national exam, to score well and thereby become a government official. At this time. The vast majority of people were uh, poor subsistence uh, subsistence farmers and they couldn't afford an education. So those who did go for an education uh, would oftentimes see a huge leap in their social status and receive a a massively improved quality of life. Once you score well on the exam and you become a government uh, officer or or you become a public servant, supposedly you would bring prosperity and honor to all your family and ancestors. It's been like this for thousands of years, where scholars were always the most looked up to, as uh, kings and emperors always listened to them. Think of Confucius, for example. While the specifics of how scholars were viewed in China has obviously changed in the past century, we think that this uh, idea of study culture has still lingered and remained, if perhaps evolved a little bit. I think this is
0: definitely uh, prominent in modern, maybe not modern societies, but say, take Korea uh, a few decades ago. Okay, I'm using Korea as as an example a lot, but just bear with me. The point is that after the Korean War, uh, South Korea was really poor, obviously, and This is when the idea of this harsh studying environment was so avidly pushed for in order to stimulate the economy among other reasons and this would in turn create the cycle that we see today of students just spending their entire day studying whether they like it or not and obviously this created a huge boom in the korean economy due to the upskilling of labor so one could argue that it was beneficial but it has obviously contributed or even created the uh, study culture we see today, which is affecting the mental health of uh, youth and many students, which we'll explore later.
1: Speaking of mental health, I think it's interesting to note that study culture might create a self-worsening cycle in regards to mental health. Why is this so? Because study culture encourages toxic behaviors, things like staying up really late or things like devoting, or things like skipping out on social events in preference to study. We think that what this basically means is that people are becoming more and more stressed. That's a very intuitive concept, that when you study more, you're likely to be more stressed. But the problem is, when you are stressed, your academic performance lowers. This has been proved time and time again by various studies, by various uh, scientific uh, findings. When you are stressed, and therefore your academic performance suffers, you are likely to question why you're not seeing the same kind of returns on your studying as perhaps you were hoping to. That's to say, if you study 10 hours, but you actually only had a productive 5 hours because the remaining 5 hours, these uh, for the remaining 5 hours you're procrastinating or you felt very stressed, you're likely to feel frustrated with yourself and uh, at co- and ask yourself why you're not actually achieving as at high of a level as your peers are.
0: Yeah, I agree. So I think there's definitely a fault in valuing grades over everything. I think that's like an overarching theme we have with this episode, and that's definitely a dysfunction in a lot of society. Why don't we touch upon Hong Kong, which I would reason is a reasonable middle ground between the extremes. So students don't study so hard, but also study enough to feel the sizable stress and pressure that's put on them. In international schools, which we both go to currently. Yeah, we both go to international schools, so I think that's what we're most familiar with. Um, In our school specifically, I think studying is a lot more advocated for, given the student body that exists in our school. Because it's supposedly a school known for its um, academic values and such. So I think we have a slightly biased opinion, but nonetheless, in general, there are obviously people who study more than others, and there are obviously extremes. But I think uh, an average is sort of, what, like, a few hours for each test? something
1: along those lines? Mm, I mean, how much did you personally study for mocks?
0: Uh, okay, I don't want to admit this while it's being recorded, but at the same time, I didn't study enough. I, I think I should have studied more, and that's coming from someone who's studied, say, like... I guess it depends on the exam, but on average, I would say I studied consistently across the two-week break before the mocks, and went over my notes and did some past paper questions the day before the exam. Mm, I
1: think my experience with mocks is a bit different, or quite different, actually. Most days I would stay up until two. Um, I mean, okay, it might be partially my fault in terms of planning and organizational skills, but I think the stress of the day before the exam is always a lot higher than the day of the exam. When there's this intense pressure to cram and this intense pressure to just commit everything to memory, at that point in time, everything else seems so much less important than sitting at that table, looking through that textbook, and just searing every word into your eyes. And I think some of this can obviously be chalked up to study culture, but other times, other times it makes you wonder if study culture is born from stress or study culture itself creates stress
0: yeah all right so i see what you're doing there making me look like a bad student but (laughs) yeah i think speaking of stress i think it's not the fault in the studying itself that leads to stress i think it's mainly because a lot of youth like us we don't want to study much, for obvious reasons, because, say, if the subject's not fun, or if the material's just boring, we don't want to study, but that in itself, staying late and cramming until the last day, that inherently creates stress, and it's something that's often blamed on the intense workload, but I think we should also consider that students just don't simply uh, study enough.
1: Okay, let's discuss whether study culture is actually valuable. Or if it is, to what extent it's valuable. What do you think?
0: I think the idea of having a cemented study culture, that is to say, like a framework um, to which students must adhere to when studying or revising for exams, I think that's just wrong because everyone has their own pace to studying, right? It sounds very cliche, but it's true. Some people learn uh, to listening to videos. Some people don't learn at all uh, while listening to music, to give an example. Um, I study best in a slightly more quiet environment with no ambient sound, and I think a little bit of stress too is important because without that, we wouldn't learn. We wouldn't have much of an incentive to study at all. Okay. What do you th- what do you think about stress as like a factor in pushing students to study? Do you think it's beneficial or not?
1: Well, first I think it's important to note that stress isn't something you can really avoid. I think stress is inherent to basically everything you do in your life. Because stress, like what is stress if not just worry that you're not going to do well? True. And I think especially for students, when they take an exam, they're oftentimes told that this exam will decide their future. Or at the very least, it will play a very important role in their future. That's obviously scary. least not much that you do in your life when you're below 18, is going to have that large of an impact on your life after you're 18. So I think that's the first step in realizing that just stress is oftentimes inevitable. So then the question becomes, given that everyone is going to experience stress, how can we mitigate it? How can we mitigate the harms that are created by stress? And that is where I actually differ from you. That is where I think that study culture can actually be helpful. Because I think study culture, note that we defined it as the norms and behaviors that students exhibit. I think study culture can help students find common ground. That's to say when one student is stressing out, when one student is feeling like they're not going to do very well tomorrow, study culture can help them bond with other students about the common struggles that both of them are going through. So, sure, it might be a terrible situation and it might, uh, it might cause them to stay up later and later, but I think it is also a situation of camaraderie, where students can bond over their shared struggles, uh, vent to each other about the kind of problems that they're going through every day. And I think study culture can play an important role in facilitating that kind of camaraderie. That's
0: true. Study culture can be a commonality between uh, students, and also it can, I guess it can drive um, social interaction in a way, but I think um, we shouldn't rely on stress before exams for us to group together and interact. I think that should belong to our hobbies, our interests, something less stressful than studying. But yes, I, I do agree that it can be beneficial sometimes. What do you think about schools uh, enforcing or helping study culture? How effective do you think they are?
1: Okay, in terms of the role that schools play, so I think schools actually have quite an important role to play in regards to study culture. I think schools can both be an enforcer and a mediator. In terms of enforcing study culture, I think the messages and signals that schools send to students play a very important role in determining The level of stress and the level of study culture that's born from that. If a a school, or even just an individual teacher, places a lot of emphasis on one exam, the students are obviously going to feel more pressured for that exam. So I think it's therefore very important that schools uh, are aware of the effects that they're having on their students with every message they send.
0: Definitely. But I think a more common occurrence in schools is teachers downplaying exams. Them saying it's just quizzes or... Uh, Just a measure of, just a gauge of how good you are under faults in that specific material. I mean, they're not wrong. Of course, tests are just that. They're not going to impact you so significantly 10 years into your life. But I think I agree with you. Definitely schools should be more informed about what impacts their uh, advice has. Because having that kind of chaos, in the sense that your parents telling you that this exam is very important, teachers telling you, it's fine, it's nothing. Maybe you pushing yourself unfairly to do really well on the exam. I think that in itself can be quite chaotic for some students in a way, and might discourage students from studying at all. But I think um, in the sense of them enforcing study culture, schools definitely create a healthy environment. For students to not only experience a little bit of beneficial st- stress, but for them to also group together with fellow students, like you said before, so they can study together or the like.
1: Yeah, I think a large part of the problem is definitely how schools can be inconsistent, because every teacher is different. I think especially in our own experience, we have some teachers that are uh, of a very high quality, of they truly connect with the students and they know exactly them. Uh, what kind of methods the students are likely to find success in. Whereas there are other teachers that perhaps they take it as their job to be the mediator, and they take it as their job to remind students to relax. But in doing so, they actually create more stress for students who don't really take that seriously. Or they create more stress for students who feel like the teacher is underplaying the importance of those exams. So I think that's definitely a problem, and schools ought to be more consistent in the messages that they send. Okay, now I want to ask you, Do you think study culture is a natural phenomenon, or do you think it's artificially inflated to an extent?
0: As for it being natural, I think your point about uh, old Chinese culture still stands, and the history of that, um, of how study culture originated, I think that's a fair point. But it's definitely inflated in recent times of not only parents pushing students, but also just students pushing students, like them pushing themselves to do better and unfairly so because obviously university isn't the end all be all to life there's obviously a career after that and i think i'm definitely um at fault for doing that to myself as well and that creates unnecessary stress for students
1: okay yeah like i agree i agree with most of what you just said so study culture as we see it is definitely affected and inflated by outside and external circumstances like as you said about um east asian values that oftentimes value uh, that oftentimes value like achievement above a lot of other things but at the same time i can't help but feel like study culture is ultimately kind of a natural outcome right i mean there's an interesting theory that culture is created to protect the people within it so when people go through shared experiences they're likely to create a culture around that because it's the human inclination to stick together. Humans are pack animals, right? So I think the idea of study culture itself, it's likely to occur in all kinds of places, no matter like what level of student you are. But I think, I think some of the aspects of it can obviously be exacerbated artificially by societal factors.
0: Uh, actually, to bring up a slightly different topic about standardized exams and uh, their fairness and their equity because i think we wanted to discuss that you know how um a lot of people have been saying and you know reasonably so standardized exam scores are just correlated to affluence and that's why they should be toned down in importance when considering entrance what do you think about that i think um it's they're definitely correlated people can just take a lot of tuition and do well on say sat's and act's but i think it still stands as a reasonable measure for... Not a reasonable measure, but rather... yet yeah, just another metric for considering applicants for universities or schools and the like.
1: Well... Hmm. Okay, I think this is a bit of a difficult topic. Because the idea behind standardized exams, as implied by the name, is that it, prov- it provides the same boundaries and the same standards to everyone who takes it. I think that's obviously... Inaccurate, because you can't measure the amount of advantage or disadvantage that someone has actually like attained throughout their life. You can't measure the effect that someone having more money than someone else, uh, leading to them being able to take more tuition. You can't exactly measure how much that affected their grades. But I think you obviously can also recognize that it must have had a tangible impact. There's a very good reason why wealth oftentimes does correlate with academic achievement. So I feel like standardized exams, unfortunate as it may be that some people are going to be more advantaged than others, I think there there is a it is very difficult to set any sort of standards uh, given that this is true. And I think standardized exams are the best that we can do given that.
0: That's true, that's true. But then again, standardized exams aren't the sole metric when considering applicants for schools or other things. So... I guess it does bounce
1: out in the end. Uh, I think something else that's important to take into account is this growing concern about uh, study culture and how it unfairly affects like neurodivergent people, right? So people with uh, mental disorders like perhaps ADHD who already find it a lot more difficult to... Uh, who already find it a lot more difficult to engage in the same kinds of like studying sit-down and focus behaviours that other people might find it easier to exhibit... And I feel like, yeah, so what do you think about study culture and how it affects, like, neurodivergent people?
0: I think, in a sense, it's really discouraging if everyone in a school is very focused around studying for exams and you're just the sole one uh, not able to or at an inherent disadvantage. But then again, even though exam boards, like, uh, I... um. At Excel or cie in their igcse exams they provide extra time for for such neurodivergent people i think uh the impact of study culture itself on neurodivergent people is definitely a sizable one that should not be ignored in schools we've talked about study culture a lot and its issues but why don't we talk about some measures that can be taken to alleviate the stress and pressure it puts on people. I've been the way I study myself is a sort of lazy studying. It follows the repeated uh, adage of work smart not hard, but only in the sense that although you do study, you study efficiently. I guess I have to define lazily in the sense, right? It's not it's not lazily in the sense that you're not studying, but just studying more efficiently than as you would with a textbook. Specifically, I don't mean to promote lethargy or anything, but what I mean by laziness is essentially, if everyone has to get to the same end goal, which in this case is getting A or A star or whatever your goal might be, it's the shortest sustainable way of doing it. So to give an example, you wouldn't read through the entire textbook, you would select specific parts that you're maybe unsure of by doing a mock paper before and identifying what skills you're lacking and then just purely focusing on those aspects so you don't have to waste time doing other things
1: so that's a very roundabout way of saying that you're smarter than me all right okay (laughs) all right all right cut cut (laughs) okay so i think work smart not hard Mm, as an adage it makes sense at the same time i feel like if there was a smarter way to work it would be more popular right I mean, students aren't stupid. A lot of the times, if there is a smart, if they feel like there's a smarter way for them to absorb material, they're going to do it. I think the unfortunate truth is, oftentimes to do well on an exam, you will have to work hard. Oftentimes, you will have to spend more time than you perhaps would like to study material. And I think that's also a fault in terms of what exams teach. Because if you look at the actual syllabus for IGCSEs, oftentimes they have a command terms like define. In which the way to get the marks is only by memorizing a specific sentence. If you don't give the sentence correctly then you will lose the marks. So I think that's the unfortunate truth. It's very difficult to get by without working hard. It's very difficult to get by if you don't commit things to memory. And maybe that's not something that we ought to strive to, but that is oftentimes the reality. So I think... okay.
0: I think uh, about memorization and having to work hard anyway Yes, it's true. Obviously, you have to work for your aims, your achievements, and good grades. But in that sense, I think it's wrong to view uh, like definition answers as things you have to just memorize the hard way, because not only as uh, not only when you learn the course over the two years that the IGCSE course um, occurs, you not only familiarize with yourself with these uh, key terms, but also. Just simply focusing in class, taking notes, allows you to familiarize yourself with material that late night cramming just doesn't allow for. I think just putting in the effort over a long course of time, that definitely helps alleviate the cramming that you might you know, very well experience before a big exam.
1: That's fair. I guess it all does come down to things like time management, to things like knowing when uh, procrastination might be infringing on your ability to absorb material and such and such
0: i'd like to touch upon the idea of diminishing returns when you're studying because to give an example it's a lot easier to go from 50 percent to 70 percent than it is from 90 to 95 or 95 to 98. essentially what i'm trying to say is that you have to set realistic goals for yourself when studying once you've studied enough it's not going to be quote-unquote worth it for a lot of people, depending on how you view your grades, obviously. But to study that extra three hours to get that 3%, adding on to the three hours you've already studied to get that, what, 90%? That yearning to get the top 99%, the top mark in your class, I think that's the drive for much of the stress. It's not the idea of studying itself, but wanting to get the top mark such that you study an unfair amount to yourself, if you will.
1: So of like, essentially doing the least, like, least amount of effort to get the most amount of output is right, what you're right. going to describe.
0: Right, but still to the sense that you achieve what you're aiming for. Like, for example, wait, what do you even go for for exams anyway? Like, what do you set as a good standard for yourself?
1: Mm, it de- depends on the subject. Right. If it's a subject that I think I'm decently good at, then probably around 90%, True. at least. Like an
0: A star, right?
1: Yeah, A star. Yeah. Alright, so yeah, I see what you mean. I definitely agree with you about diminishing returns. At some point it just becomes no longer worth it to keep stressing yourself out. At some point it's just not worth the stress or the pressure it puts on your heart or whatever to like keep staring at that textbook. Um, so I think that makes it very difficult for students to self-regulate because they want to do the least amount of effort, but at the same time they set very high standards for themselves. Right. So there is a kind of internal conflict between what feels good for them and what they want to achieve in the long term. So that's why I think you see a large divide between students. There are some students that uh, find it very difficult to even begin studying, and there are students that find it very difficult to stop. And I think that's a very interesting like, way to look at how study culture has perhaps divided students or how it has perhaps affected students very differently.
0: Don't we all wish that it was hard to stop studying? (laughs) Anyway, yeah, I I definitely agree on what you said. There's definitely a a gap uh, between students who aim a bit higher than other students. I'm not saying it's necessarily bad to do so, but yes, that definitely does occur. Alright, so how do you study specifically?
1: So, hmm, I think... Immediately after mocks, I've kind of reflected on the way I study a little bit. So the way I used to study, and the way I'm sure a lot of other students out there study, is mainly by just compiling a revision guide. Essentially just compiling everything I need to know, every piece of the syllabus, into one place. Just consolidate it, and then read over that revision guide as many times as possible. But in recent times, I've kind of taken the idea to heart that handwriting notes and sort of like committing yourself more fully to the material does actually impact the way in which you absorb it. So for some subjects I chose to instead write, like handwrite my notes and that took a lot longer so those were the kinds of days where I would stay up until 2am but it did actually help my ability to absorb the material uh, a lot better. So I think that's I think that kind of demonstrates why there is an obvious trade-off. You can either trade off speed and efficiency with perhaps not knowing the material as deeply, or you can commit yourself more fully to it and uh, try to absorb it better, but at the same time, it per- that perhaps might have effects on your own sleep schedule or it might have effects on your mental health. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, interesting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, um so the way i study is kind of similar to you i also uh clean everything up into just basically a long uh, revision guide study notes basically and i use that to revise the material as well as past paper questions or questions that i just test myself i think i recently came across the cornell note system which is pretty helpful for me personally it consists of basically two columns the first being a recall and the second being notes so the recall consists of questions or uh, prompts that you answer in the notes in forms of in the forms of bullet points, definitions, diagrams and the like and you do a short summary at the end of each section in your own words. I think that despite it being relatively simple, it's definitely a very helpful way to help uh, memorize or be, or familiarize yourself with the material. I think involving writing or maybe even speaking the notes helps a lot. Simply reading over the notes has never really um, left an impression, especially with memorization and the like. So what I do is, okay, it's it's kind of sad, but I explain like the concepts to myself aloud in my room where oh, that's nobody's really there. Sad. That's okay, really listen, body, 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 body. I do that, and I also write the notes. That helps a lot.
1: I just realized this episode kind of turned into how we how we yeah, study how we study what we've seen. <laughs>
0: To wrap up, study culture is definitely a mixed bag in both what it offers and bo- and also its impacts on the youth, in terms of mental health, stress, and pressure.
1: We've also shared our thoughts about whether study culture is inevitable and the ways it can affect different groups of people. What? Don't step on the PC. Or the I'm not stepping on the PC. I'm stepping on the bones. Do not step on the bones. And also about how it manifests itself in different cultures, like in South Korea, in Hong Kong, in contrast to Western cultures.
0: I know we've talked a lot about extremes here, absolutes, but we just like to share what we ourselves experienced. So, if you've listened to the end... Wait,
1: wait. If you've made it to the end of this okay. episode, so congratulations. If, okay, wait, wait.
0: So, if you made it to the end of our first episode... Thank you for listening to the end, I guess. Um, I know it's been long, kind of. We'll try and shorten it down next time. But yeah, this is our structure to our podcast. It's kind of like a roundtable discussion, more than um, like a scripted podcast. I guess we wanted to do a unique take to it. No, but honestly, I think our structure was kind of scoffed this round, especially because it's our first time recording this kind of thing. So hopefully next time it'll be a bit more structured. Uh, It'll be more... What's, like, the speaking form of legible, man? I forgot. Oh, coherent. Coherent. Okay, hopefully next time it'll be more coherent and the like. Oh, also, um, follow our Instagram. What is it?
1: At sociable underscore official.
0: Yeah, we will do polls there to, um, decide what next week's or the next podcast topics will be, and we hope to engage with our audience, the dozen of you that exist, so... Yeah, a dozen is a bit right, dozen uh, is a dozen is a bit much like the three
1: the three of you yeah the three of you also we'll be sending out periodic questionnaires where we invite you to leave your own personal thoughts you can choose to keep these anonymous or to write your name on them and you can share anything you'd like maybe talking about a topic that you feel passionate about that you'd like to see featured or maybe your own thoughts on study culture and how you personally think it's affected you if you wish to or if you indicate such then we can sort of take your thoughts into account and maybe even uh feature some of the responses that we receive in our next episode i hope you enjoyed and i'll hopefully see you next time